This song has provenance. This song was my grandfather's song. There were six of us, and we all sat in the hall and listened to my grandfather say. He was a minister. We would go downstairs to the living room, get on our knees, we'd sing that song, and pray. Of course, we would bring food to put under the seats in the living room because we thought he prayed too long. <laughs> but of course, you know, I wouldn't do that. So this song is for Pop Carson. In his honor, his spirit will hear me sing this song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a
Let's see if I can hit it. Whoa. Blessed assurance. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our second reading is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. This is God's will to God's people.
So um, we're into this sermon series on why go to church, and I don't know if you feel this way, but it's, it's my sense that a lot of people think that the church is an outdated institution. Now, I would disagree, and I would think that is not true, but, but many folk do feel that way. They think of themselves as religious, they think of themselves as spiritual, but they don't think of themselves as people who need or want to go to church. And I would like to talk about that this morning and for the next couple Sundays as to why people might want to come to church. Last week we looked at, I think, about eight reasons or so that come out of scripture for why it's good or we should be at church. Now that works for people who are biblically grounded. They might be reminded of those reasons, but if you're not Uh, too biblically literate, then the reasons of scripture are not going to be reasons that might compel you to to think about where you spend your time on a Sunday and and where you might want to go. So I want to look at some other reasons as to why uh, church is an added value in people's lives. I hope that uh, these thoughts of mine will get you to think a little bit more clearly about why you're here. What is it about this experience on Sunday morning and, and perhaps during the week that nourishes you or, or gets you to think this is how you should spend your time? I'm hoping also, and I mean this directly as a challenge, that you might find in uh, our thoughts these next three weeks uh, and in the language that we use about what these reasons might be, that you might find some phrasing, some, some words to share uh, with your neighbors that might uh, invite them or encourage them into this kind of experience because as it has been a blessing to you, it might also, and I would think it would be a blessing to them. So today we're going to look at, at meaning and purpose. We're going to talk about how the church helps us to discover our identity, and to live out that identity. Through the church, through all the things that we do here, worship to study to service, we discover who we are and what we are to be about in our lives. Am I overstating that? I think this is true. Discerning our true self Realizing our calling and identifying our gifts and graces, these are important things for us, significant for us in the living of our lives. And we do these things at church. Haven't noticed this going on much at the office or at the piano bar at the Hilton or at the gas station, or the volleyball field. But this kind of stuff goes on here. And if it strikes you that what I'm talking about might be important to all of us, not just those of us who show up, uh, think about it as something you might want to encourage others to think about. So here are these words from Henry Nouwen. They're... I hope not too complicated. I want to share them for you, though, 
because to me, they speak right to the point of, of what I want to get at. This is from his book called Spiritual Formation. A life without a quiet center easily becomes delusional. When we cling to the results of our actions as our only way of self-identification, we become possessive, defensive, and dependent on false identities. In the solitude of prayer, we slowly unmask the illusion of our dependencies and our possessivenesses and discover in the center of our own self that we are not what we can control or conquer, but what is given to us from above to channel to others. Are you with him? In solitary prayer, we become aware that our identity does not depend on what we have accomplished or what we possess, that our productivity does not define us, and that our worth is not the same as our usefulness. The church helps us to understand that we are not of our own making, and those things that we have populated around ourselves are not who we are. The church helps us to remember that we are creature, not creator. This sense of self is our true sense of self. It is our soul that is within us that is who we are. Now, our physical abilities help us to express ourselves, our intelligence, our wherewithal. All of these are things that help enliven what is our life. But now one is suggesting, and so am I, that if we think those things are ourselves, we're thinking wrongly. That at bottom, what is ourselves is our core, true self, our soul. The constellation of our abilities, the attendant gifts and graces that manifest ourselves, you're a little different than me, we have these things. Well, those things are fun qualities and attributes of who we are, but they are not at core who we are. To live well as we are intended to live by God, we need to be centered on our true self and then help that true self find its expression through our unique personalities and, and attributes. At the core of our faith lies the conviction that we are the beloved sons and daughters of God, that God indwells with us, 
that God blesses us in our very being. That as scripture records God saying to Jesus, this is my son, my beloved, that scripture is also indicating to all of us that God says this to us, that we all are God's beloved children. This is the center point of who we are, God's kids, God's loved ones. Being a beloved child of God. And this is the starting place for figuring out whom indeed we are to become as we grow up, as we blossom into adulthood, as we move into being senior citizens. Beloved children of God, we start with our soul, our identity as a child of God, as beloved of God, by just being. This is the starting point, and all else in life issues from that. Now, I think what I'm saying is something that maybe uh, lots of folk don't think about. I think this is the witness of our Gospels. But perhaps you know people in the community or in the larger world around you who, when asked who they are, wouldn't start there. They'd start somewhere else. And having started somewhere else, they oftentimes end up somewhere else, too. So can you believe this about yourself? Do you have an assurance, a blessed assurance, in your heart? That God loves you? That God has placed within you a soul that connects you to God intimately and powerfully? And that soul, that center point, that true self of you is what you need to be attentive to and give expression to in your life. Go to the scriptures. You read something like what I'm about to say. God saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have written your name in the palm of my hand from all of eternity. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you in your mother's womb. I love you. I embrace you. You are mine. I am yours. You are no longer slave but a child, and as a child you are heir to all that I have. If you can hear this divine voice speaking to you from all of eternity, then your life will become more and more a life of a beloved because you know that is who you are. 
You are a beloved child of God. That is your identity. Know this. This is the center core of who you are. Start your life from this point. This is a gift from God to you through the church. As a beloved child of God, your life is to blossom in a certain way. Because you're a beloved child of God and you are aware of that, your pathway goes in a certain direction. You do not become the oppressor. You do not become the manipulator or the exploiter of other people because you are a child of God. Children of God don't do this stuff. You do not use and you do not abuse and you do not discard other people once you have benefited from them. Rather, you are a helpmate, a partner of other people. You're a supporter, you're an enabler of others for them to blossom in their lives the way God would have them blossom. As a child of God, you find a way to love your neighbor. This is God's intention for you as a child of God. Love me and love one another as yourself. Now look around yourself and you will probably find that there's a, a good group of people who are hip to this and they're kind of living life this way. And you might also kind of notice there's some people that you wonder. You wonder, do they, do they even get this? And if you look closely at them, you will notice that the ones who seem to have gotten this message in their heart, they seem to be the people of compassion and caring and helping one another, making the world a better place. And the people who are not getting this seem to be people who are tearing through their selfishness at the social fabric of the community or the neighborhood. As a beloved child of God, a certain way of doing life unfolds for us. And as we claim that identity, we are also led into a certain way of living and talking and doing and thinking. And one of those things, as a beloved child of God, that, that may make life a little bit better for all of us, is that we realize that God is also trying to love the other, the neighbor, those around us. As a beloved child of God, we are given the discernment to see into the eyes of the other 
that that person is also a child of God. Though they may not get it. They may not be behaving like that yet. They may not be aware of it yet. But they are. They are a child of God too. And their life would be so much more blessed if they would wake up. Get out of that delusion of them being all these other things and find their true self. Imagine how good our community and our world would be if we saw in each other children of God. If we behaved towards one another like we all were children of God. Imagine how the church would be. We do a pretty good job at this, don't we? But imagine. What a glorious, well, it's the kingdom of God, isn't it, John? It's the kingdom of God. And we're asked to find our way into that as beloved children. As a beloved child of God, our lives unfold differently. I would say our lives unfold more richly and sacredly and better because it is purposed for God's business, for God's will of spreading grace and love. Now, you may emerge as a doctor or a bricklayer a nurse, childcare worker. You may emerge because of the gifts and graces you have as this or that type of person engaged in society. Yet the way you do that will be different because you are aware that you are a child of God. Your life will unfold differently because you've paid attention to that. You've claimed it and you're letting it affect how you are in the world. Your true self, your soul, your true self as child of God guides you into manifesting that in ways that are aligned with God's purposes, not at odds and against God's purposes. This almost sounds hackneyed. Am I this old-fashioned? This actually is so important to how we are for ourselves and with one another in our world these days. And you don't get this kind of talk at the soccer field, at the volleyball net, at the espresso bar, at the bourbon bar. You get this kind of talk, this kind of thinking, this kind of understanding, this kind of encouragement to be your best self, to claim who you are in the eyes of God and who you will be in the eyes of your neighbor. You get this at church. 
And I think it helps us to be reminded of whose we are and how we are to be. And I think for so many people who are kind of lost at sea these days, this kind of stuff would be good for them. Now, they're not going to find their way in these doors because of the way things have unfolded these last half century, but they will come on your elbow if you get their attention and you invite them to experience something like this. If you see in your conversation with them the bruises and the, and the hurts and the yearnings that are unfulfilled, and you find the way in what's natural to you to say the words, well, come join with me in worship, and let's just see, let's just see what it's like. You can help them, as others have helped you awaken to God, you can help them awaken to their true identity, their better selves, their abundant life. Amen? Amen. Amen.